Welcome back to another episode of I Came With Fire podcast. Today we have a true hero joining us. He's a symbol of resilience, a beacon of hope, and an embodiment of the human spirit. Uh, please give a warm welcome to Israel Del Toro. <clears throat> Uh, Israel, it's an absolute honor to uh, have you on the show and stuff. Uh, your journey has inspired millions around the world. Um, obviously, uh, you're coming out with a book called A Patriot's Promise Soon, which we have right here, which uh, was pretty good. Um, and basically, before we kind of get too far into it, just kind of curious to how your day's going. Well, it's been a very adventurous day. Uh, anyone that's out here in the Colorado Springs area will know that we've had like nonstop rain like for the past three days was flash flood so uh you know for me yesterday i started with i mean you know water spots on my son's ceiling in his room but now you know it was you know loose uh, uh vent the roof of the and then seeing that there's water in the basement thank god it's not finished yet and thinking it's the roof and the roof saying no and going down to not today and seeing a lot more water, noticing it was soapy. I was like, that can't be from the outside. Then finding yeah. out that it was the, the pipe that goes out to the septic that was cracked because of all the water, all the rain at the, at the, the ground, kind of at the, the pipe, then telling me that I get done till Monday. So I'm like, yay, it's got my in laws who are 80 something year olds. You know, trying to tell them, hey, don't go to the bathroom for the next five days. <laughs> you know? Yeah. The worst uh, timing uh, ever. Oh, worst time. Luckily, I was able to get them, uh, you know, my family could stay in Pilipin or Peterson the next couple yeah. of days. Yeah. Well, hopefully while, you're, uh, while your in-laws are staying at the place, you know, when they're trying to wake up and kind of get moving through the day, probably use a pick-me-up for one of our shameless plugs, which is... Uh, Red Clover Coffee. Um, everyone that's listened before knows that if you use uh, code I came with fire or came with fire, sorry, and you get ten percent off your order with Red Clover Coffee. And we now have a second shameless plug. That's right, we're growing in shame. Uh, you can get uh, sheep's clothing. So if you do got water leaking on you and maybe it ruins your shirt, get a new shirt Smart at Sheep's idea. Clothing using uh, code FIRE10, that's word FIRE plus one zero for 10, uh, and that'll also give you 10% off. But yeah, so we're really excited uh, for you to be here for the podcast, um, and we're, we're really excited to kind of hear about your story and stuff. Uh, for the people who don't know, we'll kind of delve into that, uh, but I, I know both Brandon and I are very honored to have you on our podcast. with. So thank you for being here, Israel. Yes, thank uh, you. No problem, yeah. uh, thanks for inviting me to come out here and you know, spend a couple minutes, you know, guessing and having a good time. Yeah, of course. Usually this tends to be a pretty good time, so yeah, <laughs> time to have fun. <laughs> so, obviously, Israel, uh, for people who don't know, your story is uh, truly remarkable. Uh, you served as a special warfare operator in the United States Air Force, which shamelessly is the greatest branch. Um <laughs> Hell yeah. Displaying courage and dedication to protect uh, our nation. Uh, can you kind of share a bit about your experiences and the pivotal moment that probably maybe some people don't know that forever changed your life? Uh, you know, uh, joining the military at 22, you know, it's uh, you, you go in, you know, kind of 
grew up in that era where, you know, your coaches still yelled at you. You know, I played football and they grabbed you from your helmet and slammed you down. So me going to basic and getting yelled at was like nothing new. And then me yeah. being Hispanic, that's even, you know, nothing new. You know? <laughs> my, my, my biggest fear from uh, TIs was, hey, they're going to have a chancla and hit me with it, you know. <laughs> but, you know, going and, and going through that and then deciding to become a TAC-P, you know, I, 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 not saying not all the other career fields are important in the military, but I, I, I grew up watching Rambo. You know, who didn't want to be freaking Rambo back in the day? You know, long hair, chiseled body. You know, don't yeah. actually don't have long hair anymore. My son says I have more of a dad bod. You know, back <laughs> in the day, you know, Same. I was a lot God. You know, but you wanted to do. You know, I wanted to be that guy. You know, yeah. So when when I heard it, I was like, dude, I want to try and do that. And and I, I tried out. I you know got selected. I went through basic and. Graduated and got to, you know I got to my first assignment there at, at Fort Bragg or, or Pope or back in the day we called it No Hope Pope. Yeah, and started to learn my craft on how to become an operator, call an airstrikes because it takes about three years mm -hmm. to you know be a fully qualified uh, AP, and you know I, I hated doing all the coordination and everything and then right when the aircraft's about to come in the instructor would take the mic from you and say cleared hot and i'm like really and so <laughs> my hope was to be that guy to get yeah. in that mic cleared hot watch you know eight tens just either coming with the gun runs or with the bombs you know it's just an amazing man that has to be so you amazing. know you know it's such a cool sight and so yeah. you know, that's that's what i Tried for and yes, I, I I knew it was a dangerous job. You know, obviously, you know you're going to be out there. You know, mm -hmm. you're calling in airstrikes. Yeah, going to send you where they think there's going to be trouble. Yeah, so but, you know that you're twenty something year old dude. You know, you have no fear. Yeah. Know? And when you're a little kid, how many times will you get on your bike and it's like, oh, I'm going to jump this ramp and hopefully I land it. And yeah. Now our, our age, we're like, man, if I try and do that, I fall. That might hurt. It's called you're experience and, and wisdom. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. <laughs> living and learning. Yeah. You know that. You know that. I trained to be that, and, and I wanted to be the best at it. And and you know, anytime I can go to a train, uh, DY or, or head down range, I always volunteered because I, I I wanted to be that guy. And, and, and you know, I got, got to do it uh, for many years uh, until the you know the day I got hurt. You know, everything kind of changed. Yeah, right. Yeah. Man, so I, the, my, uh, my dad was my football coach uh, a few times, more than a few times growing up. So <laughs> I've definitely been grabbed by the face mask and told to pull the lead out of my ass or get moving. Uh, so I understand that for sure. Yeah, we definitely, and our generation definitely knows that uh, mm. that tough love, you could say. Yeah. Feels character. Yeah. Feels character. I, uh, I remember in middle school, I tried out for, like, football. I went to, like, one practice. And it's because I thought, oh, I want to be one of those guys. And uh, they had us out there doing a whole bunch of, like, 
lay down and then like jump up and then like run around the place and lay down and jump up. And I did that one session. I was like, I'm never going back there again. And I never did. I, uh, oh I love watching football, but I, I never played it. I was like, oh, it's not for me. <laughs> the, the worst word, uh, the hills. Oh, I hate oh, doing man. hill. Yes. Or pushing a sled up the hill. Oh my God. You know, and I mean, from the Chicago area, mm-hmm. the humidity in August at two days was the worst. Mm. Oh, yeah, dude. Hu- humidity mm. makes everything worse. It oh, does. With all that grass in you, and you're just itching everywhere, and like yeah. you're just hating life. Absolutely. And then, you know, I think of what happened, and I was like, well, maybe it wasn't that bad. Right. You'd rather <laughs> have itchy grass. All right. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, humidity definitely just sucks. When when Gresham and I were in uh, in Kenya, it would get pretty humid there. You're really humid. We're yeah. there in the wet season, so it's like humid all the time. And uh, they would normally let us just wear like our t-shirt with our vest, which is kind of nice because we cooled off. And I remember there was one day where I, it was like some colonel or general. I don't remember. Someone was coming through, and they made us wear our full uniforms. And the whole day, I was just miserable. I was like, I understand why we're doing this. But I was like... Come on, like let's just do normal procedures. We don't gotta make it look all fancy because someone's coming by. Like let's just do normal procedures, please. I was right. mad. I was mad God at you is. actually, Gresham, when you told us we had to wear our tops because he was the flight chief and he was like, "You gotta wear your tops tomorrow." I was mad at you. Just saying. Hey man, we gotta be flight chiefs. Gotta be that guy sometimes. Yeah, I'm aware. <laughs> he's that guy, huh? Yeah, that guy. He's a. He's great when he's Brandon. He's kind of a pain in the butt when he's texting on Christian. That means I'm doing my job. I'm doing my job. No, we, we like texting on Christian too. <laughs> it's, a, it's like, you know, your, your pops. And he's like, remember, oh, boy, I'm your dad, not your friend. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I've heard that before. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's true. It's funny. Younger me was. Would, would never probably think my dad was my friend, but as I got older, like my dad is my best friend. So <laughs> right. and that's that wisdom that, that comes with, uh, with time and age. So it works out pretty well. Got Dan true. Smith. <laughs> yep. Dan Smith. Um, so Israel, you, you, you ended your little thing there where you're talking about how, uh, you know, you hurt yourself, right? And it was, I believe in 2005, correct? Yeah. Um, Cause you were 2005. You've probably told the story a million times, um, but for those who maybe do, don't know, could you kind of go in a little more detail of what happened, kind of why it happened, that type of stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was like right after Thanksgiving, uh, we got orders. Uh, you know, they're going to send me out with the scout team because, uh, again, they're going to send you out. I was the only tech P to support an SF team, two Army companies, and a scout team. So they're going to send me to whichever, whoever they think is going to get into it. We've got a mission that scouts that we're going to go to this area. There's going to be a high-value target that we had to capture, kill, and destroy a supply route. So we hit out, like, I want to say December 1st, I want to say. And, and we get aerosolted in. You know, then our dirt bikes get dropped in, you know, a vehicle, vehicles get dropped in, air salted in. And, you know, we're out there a couple of days and nothing. You know, we kind of take over this little, little compound and we're pretty much like in a bowl, man. So we, we got mountains all around us. And our interpreter, 
was getting ICOM chatter saying that these guys see us when we go on foot or we get on, on, the, on the bikes or we go on the trucks. Uh, so they were, you know, hanging out on the mountaintops because, again, we're in a bowl. Yeah. So, so our, 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 our young lieutenant, and I mean, this guy was fresh out of, I, I want to say, you know, you know uh, West Point. Getting you know, lost at Land Nav. Oh my God! He would. I remember one time he he took. He was uh taking like a selfie. Uh, well, you know we didn't have selfie sticks like that, but yeah, selfies with, uh, next to an IED, and we're like, that was hey, what good. Are you doing? Yeah, I was it's, like, this sounds like lieutenant. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. It's most lieutenant. <laughs> so, so the LT says, you know what, guys, we're gonna go out, and I had my airman with me. And I knew it was, you know, just by, you know, us discussing, I knew it was going to be possibly dangerous. I'm like, you know, uh, you're going to stay behind, you know, just as backup. And I'm going to go out because we're going to take half of the, the scout team, which half of it would have been like 10 guys in two vehicles. Two vehicles, yeah, two vehicles. And, and out of that half, uh, we're going to go late afternoon. And out of those 10, five are going to go. Late afternoon, up the mountain, stay there, and the other five, which was my my guys, are gonna be Overwatch. Because uh, again, they were watching us, so the plan was that as these guys came up, the Taliban came up uh, during the day up the mountains, my guys would you know get a hold of them. Then they had us as backup. Mm-hmm. We had been out there, you know, a couple of days, and and that night prior. I can still remember, man. It was just like the clearest night, man. You could see every freaking star, you know. But you know, you were up, you know, you you got to do uh, one hour on, two hours of sleep, you know, without rotation. Uh, it's almost but, like the calm before the storm. Yeah, it, it was. It took, you know, like, I, it. I, sometimes compared to like when uh, Forrest Gump, when he's describing all his events he's seen, uh-huh. talks about you know. Vietnam when it stopped raining all of a sudden you know every you can see every star yeah uh, and that's what it felt like and it so the, the next morning you know we get to a and a some Afghani National Army and, and we go hit this town and my DLT sees uh, one, one uh, like a Taliban up up on the ridge and we try to go at, we try to go after him we call and you know we get to the base, and he he talks about, all right, I'm gonna we gotta go capture this guy. And I was like, all right, who do you want to go with you? You know, and he says, I want you, ET, and the interpreter. In my head, I'm thinking, all right, you want your only fire support element to go with you, and the interpreter who has no weapon. Like. And again, in my head, I'm thinking, I swear to God, I'm gonna get shot. I'm gonna shoot you right in the ass, you know. And, and then we get up there. Oh, <laughs> we get up there, and we're about, I want to say, about 200 meters from him. And I was like, sir, I got the shot. He's like, no, 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 DT, we're, we're, you know, we're gonna get him. We're gonna try and capture him. We're 200 meters away, but it's like all jagged rocks. Mm-hmm. And am I? Anyone that's gone downrange knows that, man. Uh, those Taliban guys, they can be in flip flops, man. They go up those mountains like they're goat gods. Mm-hmm. They're just freaking, they just take off. 
and I knew they were going to be gone. And yeah, they were, they were gone by the time we got to where they were at. At this time, uh, the guys that were up on the mountain to call Radio Wax, like, hey man, we want to get resupplied to come, you know, resupply us. We're like, Roger that. So we're driving back and we're in the lead vehicle. LT's driving. Uh, I'm, I'm on the TC and we have our gunner up in terror. And we cross this creek and no more than 200 meters after we cross this creek, I feel the tense heat blast on the left side. And I'm like, holy shit, we just got hit. And, and I talk about how people always say that their life flashes in front of them in situations like that. And, you know, at the time I never believed that. I'm like, yeah, right. Dude, it, it, it was, it wasn't like a, I guess you could say like a flash, but for me, it felt more like a little movie reel, you know, when they, the, the little, you see every yeah. little clip, like, da, 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 da. Uh, but the most distinctive ones were things that hadn't, that were going to happen that hadn't happened yet. Mm. Uh, like me and my wife uh, finally getting married by the church or through the church mm-hmm. you know, after our third attempt, because every time we tried, I get deployed. Uh, us honeymooning in Greece. And then the last one, man, the last one that really stuck was me teaching my boy how to play ball. You know, I, I was a, I love playing ball. Then something inside me says, you got to get out of this truck. Get out of this truck. And I up the door, get out of the truck. But I got out of the truck, man. I was on fire from head to toe. And, and, but I knew that, man, that creek was behind me. I turned... And to it, but the flames overtook me, man, and I collapsed. Now I'm laying there, you know, burning, thinking, I'm going to die here. You know, I, I, I broke my promise to my family that I always come back. Broke my promise to my son that I'll never let him grow up without his dad like I did. Most importantly, I'm going to break my promise to my dad uh, that I made to him. And I, that I always would take care of my family. And, you know, you might have, you know, I might have busted on the LT a, a little earlier, but I must have yelled out out loud that I'm going to die here. And that's when he says, DT, you're not going to die here. It helps me up. And throw, you know, throw some dirt on me. helps me up. We both jumped in the creek. Uh, and the sound that I heard was the same sound you hear when you put a hot pan in cold water. That sizzle sound. Mm-hmm. Damn. And I remember, you know, my, my medic was trying to take care of me. Cause I, you know, it was a planned ambush. As soon as they hit us, these guys know who call in the airstrikes. Mm-hmm. They look for the radios or the vehicles that have the antennas. They look for the guys that have the radios. Mm-hmm. They want to take us out before they, they do anything. And they hit me. Uh, the guys that were up on the mountain, now they're getting hit with a crossfire. Now they're calling back. Hey, where's Gunslinger? We need, we need cash. We need close air support. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... When the medic was trying to take care of me, you know, dude, I'm okay, I'm okay. I'm looking at myself. I got all my limbs. All I asked him was to, he's like, dude, cut off my, my ranger panties. You know, you know which ones they are, the little running shorts? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cut them off, man, because the elastic was burning, you know, my inner thigh. Yeah. I was like, and as I said, take care of our gunner because he got blown out and, and uh, Umby had rolled back on his legs. I was like, Besides, my my guys again. Remember what my dad said: take care of your family. Well, my teammates, yes, they're 
army, but it doesn't matter. Once once we're downrange, it doesn't matter if your army, navy, names. We're all brothers and sisters at down downrange. We take care of yeah. each other, and that's your family. I had to take care of my family. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had to figure out what to do because my radios around me were destroyed. My backup radios and the Humvee were destroyed. But luckily, one of the other scout guys had a a number. I just say, "Hey, man, repeat everything I say, uh, so we can get some aircraft in here. Get up the frequency." And by the last transmission that went out. You know, that's when I started having a hard time breathing. You know, I would never stand in front of anyone and say that I had nerves of steel like Rambo, that I didn't get scared. But once I, like, it was just like crazy how that last last word that I told him repeat, that's when I guess the adrenaline went down. That's when I started having a hard time breathing. That's when I started getting scared. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, where's this medevac? And I was just getting tired, and I just wanted to sleep. And I, I remember telling Bailey, our medics, like, hey, man, just let me lay down for, for a minute. Let me close my eyes for a bit. Yeah, they don't want to let you do that. Yeah, he knew. You know, even though I think I was badly injured, he knew I was. He's like, if I let you fall asleep, you're never going to wake up. Yeah. Uh, so he used whatever he could to keep me up until that medevac came. That's a good medic. Yeah. yeah. I remember they wanted to carry me up to the the, the, the helicopters. Like, oh hell no, dude! I walked into this fight. I'm gonna walk out. Well, I, I kind of hobbled, you know, into the helicopter and I think that's okay. just laying, laying there. It's like, and, and the first thing in my mind is like, oh my god, I'm gonna get some good drugs and I can fall asleep for a little bit. <laughs> that's all that popped <laughs> in. Sleep. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I, I remember the it being in and out of uh, the flight. Remember landing in our fob, uh, going into our little field hospital team, uh, rest of my, my, my team there, the doctor cutting off my watch, telling me, you're going to be okay. And that was March or December 4th, 2005. I wake up March of 06. Damn. You were in a coma for like three months. Four months. Four months. Wow. Four months. And it's it's crazy because you know uh, being in a coma doesn't really hit you until like a year after and things happen while you're asleep. Yeah, like I remember, like I said, I'm a big ball player guy. I love baseball, uh, and I remember watching ESPN like uh, January of 2007, and hearing it was the one year anniversary of Curry Puckett's death. I'm like. And Curry Puckett died. Oh, yeah, he oh, died when I was a home. Yeah. That's, that's when it hits you. It's like, man, I got four months of my life. Anything remotely important to me yeah. happened, I wouldn't remember. Gone. Wow. So you don't remember anything from your coma? Like people trying to talk to you or anything? Is, it, is there yeah, some there, snippets? I remember in your book you were saying that George, George Bush visited you, and you, you don't even remember that. Your, your wife had to yeah. tell you. And I, I, you know, it's uh, yeah, it was a funny story because, you know, it was I think I was, has I I woke up in March and it was like probably April time frame. One, uh, one of the other guys in, in, the, in the hospital was getting their Purple Heart. Mm-hmm. Like, man, that's cool. It's like, it's like, I was like, I wonder when I'm going to get mine. And my wife's like, you did. I'm like, when? Oh, 
President Bush gave it to me. He's like, oh, I'm glad I kind of don't remember that. You know, I was like, yeah, like how funny you got a picture? Like, if I don't remember it. You know? Right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it was, but, you know, that, that story about, you know, President Bush. So, if anyone doesn't know, like, a severely burned guy, it's not really the burns that are going to kill you. It's the infection. infection. So yeah. when you're burned, you're pretty much skinned alive. Mm-hmm. And now that you don't have your outer layer of skin to protect you, you keep that room at like a 98 degrees. Anyone that comes in has to be covered from head to toe. Wow. And I remember my wife telling me that when President Bush came, first he talked to her in Spanish. You know, and they told her before he came in, don't don't try and hug him. You know, don't you know, just say hi, hello, sir. He like gave her a hug and spoke to her, and then went in my room and stayed there for twenty minutes just talking to me. Mm-hmm. You know, my wife's like he stayed in there longer than most of your family ever did, you know, or, or any of your friends, and. So I always tell people, you know, it doesn't matter what you'll think of the president's policies, but one thing you can never take away from that, he didn't love his guys because he loved all his dudes, you know, and it showed being in that room for 20 minutes, you know, covered from head to toe. Yeah. That was a cool, you know, experience that I don't remember. Yeah. Wow, powerful too. Well, yeah, I mean, like said, it was, meet the president, so right. yeah, it's a relationship took, now. Yeah, yeah. We, you know, I went to his. Uh, like he invited me to his farewell speech uh, when he left office, and then he, you know, we just became friends, and you know, he will call me, and, and he likes to talk shit. He loves talking smack. That makes sense about... about he, yeah, he does. About, about W? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man, there's, there's one time, you know, I was you know, I was in the gym. I had a BCS out here to Colorado. He calls me up. He's like, DT, what are you doing? I was like, well, I'm at the gym, sir. I was like, I was like why'd you leave God's country? Well, sir, I'm still active, you know. If you didn't, you know, you were still, maybe could have done something, keep me in Texas, you know, if you don't want me to leave you in Texas. Yeah. And then there's another time when he painted me in his portraits. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we, I had flown with him uh, to New York to do uh, uh, an interview. I think it was uh, one of those Good Morning Americas or the yeah. Today Show, one of those things, one of those shows. And we're flying back, and he's just busting my chops. He normally doesn't. And I was like, sir, I will kick your ass. And it was funny. His the president? Chief staff, <laughs> the chief of, his chief of staff, Freddie, uh, looks at the Secret Service. And, and you know, by this time, we, me, me and the president have known each other, got 10 plus years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and he looks at the Freddie tells him the uh, Secret Service guy, "Hey guys, he just threatened the president." And 
and the you know obviously the secret service know who I was. I'm like, yeah, I'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. We'll, we'll let him get a couple <laughs> licks and then we'll stop him. <laughs> yeah, right. right. Then, then we'll tackle him. <laughs> yeah, he's earned him. <laughs> but it, it's, it's funny. How many people can say? I I told the president I want to whoop his ass. Probably not a lot of people. <laughs> but you know he he's he's a great dude, man. He he likes he's he's like a typical one of the guys, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get that feeling from there's a like presidents are not allowed to drive and they like can't drive ever again after they're president either. It's like some stupid rule. And uh, there's like the one interview where George Bush is like on his like acreage in Texas, and he's like. It's the only place I can drive, so I just drive around my. <laughs> la- I just drive around my land in my truck. He's got like his F two fifty. He's yeah. just driving it around Texas on his land. <laughs> oh, I don't know if I could. It. I know yeah. I would. And I was like, yeah. you know, I'm a big, big car guy, and like, you tell me that mm-hmm. never drive again. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna break the rule. Yeah, like I'm, yes. yeah, I'm going to sneak out like a teenager. I'm like, right. I'm going to go drive around the block. I know. Secret Service, like, where'd he go? <laughs> uh, here's, here's George Bush again. He's on his way to McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> he snuck out again. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so, obviously, your your book is a page. It's called Page's Promise, and you alluded to how you made these promises to your family and your loved ones and, and your father and stuff. Um, you do a lot of, like, speeches and um, kind of help a lot of people um, with being resilient and mental health and that type of stuff. Um, with doing all of that, what kind of, like, stirred you to want to write a book? What made you go, I need to put this in ink. I need this to be read. What, what kind of made you decide to do that? Well, uh, to be honest, man, it was like people since I want to say it was almost like 2009 uh, when I really started to hone my craft in speaking. People started asking me, I'm a tour, you need to write a book. And I'm like, dude, I'm like in my 30s. I'm like, I still got so many journeys, so many adventures. I'm going to write a book. It's like, dude, I don't even like reading. I'm going to write a book. <laughs> And so people kept howling for years, years, every time I would speak, when are you going to come out with a book? When are you going to write a book? I was like, uh, I, was like I don't know. I'll, 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 whenever I get to it. Mm-hmm. And then... I'm busy hanging out with the president. Right? I'll get right. to you later. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, when COVID hit, because I had retired August 2019, and I was still speaking, mm-hmm. then COVID hit. And all my... Speeches were like canceled. Mm. So, well, time got nothing else to do. And so, luckily, I, I had a friend who had just done uh, writing her book. And I asked her, because she was also, she's a news anchor mm-hmm. out here in Colorado uh, that also kept bugging me about me writing a book. And she kind of introduced me to a, a ghostwriter because I know myself. I can tell my story, you know, I can speak for an hour, hour and a half. I still not hit every detail like in the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you put me in front of a computer and have me write it, I'll start with the word duh. Six hours later, I'll still be at the word duh. <laughs> that sounds like uh, but I, right. But, you know, I, I really wanted to write it afterwards because, you know, anyone that has heard me speak, I, I, I speak about my dad. 
and how influential he was towards me and how I lost him at the age of 12. And uh, the last, you know, the last night before his death, you know, me being the last one to speak to him, he tells me, promise to always take care of your family. You know, 12-year-old kid thinking, all right, Dad, sure. Okay. Yeah, uh, got it. You know, got it. And I think the next day, you know, you're coming home from school and you have uh, your two older cousins waiting there for you and, and telling your mom that your, your dad had passed. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I, I hinted it when, you know, I talked about earlier about, the, you know, my teammates needing help out there, my family. Yes, that that promise first involved my brother and sister, my mom, and then when my mom passed a year and a half after my dad, my brother, sisters, and then my, my when I joined the middle, my teammates, then it started evolving to, you know, when I get in hurt, my those wounded guys that were there, and then anyone that felt like they had a bad day, I felt that, you know what, we all have a spark, I like to say, and and sometimes we can find it on our own. Sometimes you, you may need to hear a story of someone going through something and how they overcame, how they didn't give up. Yes. And, and I felt, you know, what better way to honor my dad and hit the promise I made to him and to write this book and try and help as many people as I can. Because I can do all the speaking, but like a book, a book can be out there. An audiobook can be out there so someone can hear the story. Instead of, you know, or instead of I'm trying to catch me at a location where I may be speaking. And then again, in a speech, you can't go so much into detail like a book. Uh, and, and and I felt I, I needed to do this because uh, I never saw myself, even to the same people like call me a hero or inspirational. I, I'm like, dude, I'm just DT. You know, I like to hang out with my friends. I like to have my whiskey and coke once in a while, play some Call of Duty and talk smack, you know, <laughs> with on the, the mic. Right? <laughs> with the president. Does uh, that play Call of Duty? I don't think he plays Call of Duty. Oh, okay. <laughs> just He's missing uh, out. Uh, it would be cool. I should have I should have just said, yeah, oh yeah. I will yeah totally, man. <laughs> I was like, you suck at this, sir. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. But, you know, I, I I always feel uneasy because, again, I don't see myself in that light. And but it didn't really hit me until I remember I was doing a speech at McGuire. The whole base was there. Leadership, everyone from the, from the base was there. And usually I open up for question and answers and Sometimes people ask me questions, and sometimes people wait till afterwards, you know, when they're coming through the line to shake my hand and say hi, take a photo, mm -hmm. uh, to ask me, or sometimes they'll wait to message me over social media they don't want other people to hear. Yeah. But this time, this young lady, this young airman, I think she was a A1C, mm -hmm. stands up, says, Sando Toro, I've tried to end my life many times. But hearing how you never quit through all those obstacles that went through your life, and you kept fighting, and you, you talk about it, you know, you they also having bad days and not letting that overcome you. You gave me so much hope 
gave me that that fight to keep fighting. And I wow. just want to thank you. That's when it, that was the first time it really hit me how people hear me and see me in this inspirational role. For that, I just it, it, and I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. But to see that young Aaron stand up in front of all her leadership, mm-hmm. in front of all her base, and say that she's trying to kill herself many times. Now, how she found the will to keep fighting, and my story, I was like, that's why I, re- I really wanted to, you know, write it. Because you know, wow. I never would tell anyone that I did it on my own. You know, in my book, you'll hear, never did it on my own. Yeah. I have my teammates mm-hmm. on my side, I have my family, friends, know and even when i have bad days you know they will get me out of it you know even the one like say my darkest hour you know i have my therapist yeah well um i have a really good friend him him and i were at malmstrom together um and i guess at some point you were at lackland and you gave a speech maybe you're at the security forces academy um or somewhere but when he was in tech school uh, I guess he watched you give a speech. And when I told him that you were coming on, he called me like immediately. He didn't even respond to my text. Um, and he was just like, dude, he's like, you have Israel del Toro coming on. And I was like, yeah, I was like, yeah, I was like, we're going to talk about his new book. And he's like, man, he's like, I will never forget listening to him talk. He's like, that is so cool. Like, and um, so like, just, you know, that was one of my first impressions of you through somebody else, you know, and uh, it was, you know, I think that's really neat. You did like that. That had to have happened probably 12 plus years ago. And I told him that and it, you know, elicited that much excitement in him to know, you know, that you were coming on with us. So you definitely, you know, clearly, obviously your book is very good, but you must be a very good public speaker as well. If somebody calls me ASAP and says, you know, just how excited they are that you're coming on. And, you know, describes remembering you talking at tech school is pretty cool. It's, it, it, it is crazy, you know. People remember it, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, see you in that light, it, you know, it's it, it, it's it's touching. Uh, again, you, you, I see myself as a regular ODT, man. Mm-hmm. And to be able to help people through the journey I went through, you know, makes it worth all that pain and suffering I went through to be able to help someone. Cause you know, I'm a realist. I get it. I'm not going to be able to help everyone. You know, but those one or two that really do truly need it. It's, it's so worth it. So yeah. worth it. Yeah. I and, think uh, the fact that you, you know, when, when you hear about somebody who's been through something traumatic and come out the other side, you know, to hear them say that they see themselves as a regular person, you know, is, it's helpful to hear somebody else say that too, because, um, you know, if you hear somebody, you, you have you know, this image of somebody who you're kind of looking up to and you hear them say that they're a regular person, you feel like that goal of being okay is now more attainable because you're, you know, you may view yourself, I'm a regular person. If he can do it, if she can do it, I can do it. And that's what I try and do. I, you know, I never you know, wanted to think, you know, person that I thought like their shit don't stink. It's like it does. It's like everyone else's man. It's like, and luckily I have a wife that kind of. I was like, slow your roll, <laughs> slow your roll. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I, I, because I remember meeting one of my like baseball heroes, and him being such a 
butthole. And I was like, man, I never, I never wanted to be like that. Yeah. You know, I, I remember I went to ESPY and, and you know, be, me being on stage and I had all these people reach out to me. Mm-hmm. I, I want to say I had like 900 plus messages. Wow. It took me weeks that I got back to everyone saying thank you because I thought it was important. I was like, wow. if they had enough time to just say thank you to find me, I, I can take some time and, and, and return and say thank you uh, for those kind words. Not everyone would have done that. It was long. <laughs> yeah. You know, there, yeah sure it meant something to, to all those people. It, and because I, I know I would have, uh, because we've all been fans of somebody, mm-hmm. you know, if you had reached out to, you know, someone you, 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 you thought was so cool and they sent you something back, you'd be like, oh, hell yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so I always think of that. And I always yeah. think it's like, you know, I'm still that kid, man, that, you know, vice uh, Sylvester Stallone freaking Gave me a car, sent me something. I'll be, you know, yeah, going now, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Rambo, yeah, he's calling me, bro. Yeah, right. You be oh, putting man. on your own like red bandana, walking around your house, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? AODT, <laughs> we did it, right? You know that I, I just, I think that way, you know, because I, I just never wanted to. Like I'm better than anyone because I, I just never think I was. You know, it's you. You know the whole saying. You know, you're never gonna put your troops to do something you're not willing to do. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's what I've I've lived by. That you know. I'm noticing a trend here. Um, you kind of talked about how, like you said, you're just DT. You're not a hero. You're not anyone more special or anything like that. You're just the guy who did his job and did what was right. Right. Uh, we had Rob Gutierrez. His whole motto was like, do your job. Just do what you're supposed to do. And, you know, he was shot at and was still doing his job. You were literally engulfed in flames, still doing your job. Uh, Dan Schilling was kind of something of the same mantra, talking about how, you know, just enjoy life and that everyone's kind of, everyone's just a human being. You even talking about your experiences with the president, right? George Bush, mm-hmm. him just talking to you and goofing with you. Those are stories that make him... Yeah, he was the president of the United States, but he's just a he's just a dude that was the president of the United States and was just trying to do the right thing. I think it's important for people, like Gresham was saying, that uh, when you realize that these very powerful people like yourself or the president or uh, Dan or Rob, like they're all just normal people who were just trying to do the right thing. And uh, everyone else can be just as great and just as attainable to their greatness. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, the biggest, the things that I use sometimes here, people like, and I couldn't do what you did. You don't know that. You can mm-hmm. probably do it and maybe excel me. Mm-hmm. No one knows until you're put in that situation, you know. Yeah. The thing is, like, I just tell everyone, we all have that spark, man. You got to find, find, find what drives you. Mine, mine was simple, was my boy. Because again, I lost my dad when I was young and I never wanted that to happen to my boy. Mm-hmm. So, any father, especially, you know, you got Father's Day coming up, relate to that. You know, you know your, your, your kids are your, you know, are your everything. And, you know, it was my everything. You know, who, I would have never thought a kid from 
that side of town will be the person he is now. Would I have ever thought that? Hell no. You know, would I ever thought I have friends with, you know, multiple presidents to, you know, to run to celebrities? Hell, you know, no. Mm-hmm. You know, no, I never would have thought that. But, you know, you, you just try and do the best and, and be you, man, and keep living life and, and, and have fun with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, again, at a young age, I learned that you're here one day, next you may not. And I, I just try and enjoy, you know, enjoy life like it's my last one, man. And the big man knows when it's your time. Absolutely. And at that time, yeah. I'm gonna have some fun. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes my wife tells me, "He's like, slow your roll on your fun, all right? <laughs> You're not." <laughs> I was like, "Shut up, woman! I'm burned. No one can tell how old I am." <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome! I love your sense of humor. It's great. Dude, You're yeah, just absolutely. <laughs> You're just loving well, you, well, it. That's you, got, awesome. you gotta have fun, man. It's like, you know, uh, yes, this sucks. What happened? You know, but you got to laugh about it. You know, I remember, you know, being in therapy and, you know, you're freshly injured, you're freshly working, you really can't do much. You see the older guys that have been there longer and just josh and have a good time. I'm like, and if they can have fun and laugh about what happened, so can I. I remember one time walking into the therapy room and, you know, the burn center. And I'm like, is someone cooking meat up in here? And, you know, obviously all the guys are just dying <laughs> laughing at the therapist and, and the family members, the loved ones are like, oh, oh my God, did you hear what you just said? <laughs> oh my you know? God. Uh, but, you know, you gotta, you know, even, uh, you know, when we were one time all together, a bunch of us, uh, the burn guys, we're going to have a cookout. And if, instead of saying medium well or medium or well done, we're just using guys' names, whoever was like more burned and more percentage burned was the well done one. Oh my goodness. Or like a like a medium well, you know. Yeah, yeah. Oh my <laughs> but you got you have to. You gotta have fun, you know, you got you gotta and and that's what I wanted to also include in the book, that that, that humor. Yeah. Because, you know, it's very healing. It really is. It 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 helps the soul, man. It, being able to laugh again is so healing, you know, and 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 that, that was the thing that I hate, I hate to be the the name drop guy, but yeah, I remember John Stewart saying, "Et mm-hmm. let people know how funny you are," you know, put that in your book, mm-hmm. and I was like, "I got it, John. I got it. You don't gotta tell me, old dude. I got this," <laughs> you know. But you know that's the thing. It's like I wanted to show that it's like yes, it sucked what happens, but I can still laugh, have fun in life, and, and God forbid anyone goes through what I went through. But at least they know, you know uh, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. You'll laugh again and, and live life. You know, yes, it may be a little different, but hey, man, you're here. You know, you, I love that. Yeah, a day above ground is better than a day below it. No shit. Yeah. Life's a gift, so cherish it for sure. Yeah, and that, John Stewart has done so much good work, especially for veterans and then uh the nine eleven first responders and <laughs> that dude has so much passion for that. It's it's honestly incredible to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's crazy, you know, like I remember 
more like my my more liberal friends, mm-hmm. family members always say, how are you and John Stewart friends? Like, what do you mean? You guys are complete opposites, you know, you know, what you think? I'm like, okay. I was like, yes. I was like, he's more liberal and, you know, I'm a little more conservative. Yeah, we will debate, but we don't disrespect each other. But if I can't be friends with them, then you guys, you're my family just because you're, you know, and again, I'm from Chicago, so a lot of my family is very liberal. Mm-hmm. Did I not talk to you? And so it baffles that, you know, I have these these friends from all angles of the world, you know, and, and, and I was like, what's the matter? If you have a common cause, like John, take care of wounded service members, take care of, of the 9-11, mm-hmm. you know, uh, families, firefighters, police officers, mm-hmm. what's the matter? We, we have a lot of things that you may not have in common, but that one that you guys have, you can come together and help. And why wouldn't you do it? No. I think I think you just touched on something that I found very common about military members in our community in general, is that when you're in the military, you sit a, around a lot, right? Hurry up and wait, and you get into these conversations with people, and and you know they go to politics sometimes. At the end of the day, I think just the fact that we all know that we are a family, it doesn't really matter what your political you know, leanings are, you know, and we really can be friends with anybody no matter what our differences are. And that's something that I see in the military community a lot. So when you say like your your family or other people, like, how are you friends with them? It's like that just comes natural. I have friends that are, you know, military that are extremely liberal or extremely conservative. Mm-hmm. And I may not agree with everything they say, but that doesn't matter, you know. And that's, I feel like that's just a, a part of the military community. Yeah, you know, for us, and we don't care mm-hmm. where you're from, what color, who you believe in, blah, blah, blah. All we care if you know how to do the mission and you have my yeah. back. Yeah, that's literally it. If you're a dirtbag, we don't care. We <laughs> yeah. want you out. Yeah, <laughs> there's, there's that, yeah. You know, you can do your job. We don't care yeah. where you're from. Yeah. Because, again... Our name text is U.S. U.S. Army, U.S. Army, Navy, U.S. Marines, U.S. Air Force, you know, Space Force, a galaxy far, far away, you know. <laughs> right. Uh, we all have that U.S. there. Yeah. And, you know, we're all trying to do the common, take care of each other. And, and that's how I always see it. That's something yeah. my TA said to us at, at Basic was, that's what's over your heart that U.S. Air Force, and that's your family now. And I remember that very well. I say I, that to people. My T.I. told me the same thing. It was like during Beast Week or something. Mm-hmm. I don't remember Beast Week. That was back in 97. I, I, can't, I don't even remember what it did yesterday. I don't, think, I don't think there was a Beast Week. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> something. It's the, yeah. I was the Beast. <laughs> Absolutely. It was Del Toro Week. Right, Del Toro week. I like that. <laughs> you know that. You know, speaking about the you know Del Toro, you know, I remember uh, in, in Randolph, they were telling me that they were gonna name a room in my honor. Mm. I'm like, oh, cool. You know, cool. You know, nothing. You know, I was like, I was, I was honored. They're asking like little mementos of mine that they can display, and then. Like months later, like 
and we decided we're going to name the building, the redeployment center after you. And in my head, I'm like thinking, I dying. You guys know something I don't know about? Because usually someone has to be dead to have a building right. named after. That's kind of you know, true. Are you guys not telling me something that I should know? Right. Should I start making my will, you know, say bye to my loved ones? Like, no, you know, right? Yeah. Uh, that, that was, you know, funny. That was, you know, finding that out. I was like, holy shit, I got a building named after me. And <laughs> so now, now I got. A freaking basic training flight map after me, you know. I remember yep. my son talking about dad. I, I, I want to join the military and I want to do what you did. And I tell him, like, buddy, I would love for you to be a legacy. I would love it. Nothing more than anything. Your mom may not like it, but I would love it. You have the exact same name as your dad. Dad has a basic training flight named after him. He has buildings, flight, flight rooms, you know, NCOAs, mm-hmm. you know, named after him. And everyone there in the special warfare knows who your dad is. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking in my head, I was an instructor. And if I knew I had a buddy's son, and he was going through the course and was sucking, I'll be on him so hard. I was like, dude, I know what your dad went through. Are you freaking serious? You can't do another push-up? Yeah. I was like, I don't want you to go through that. Yeah. As much as I would love you to, do your own thing, man. I was like, do your own path. I was like, but I remember he was like, he was almost like heartbroken when I told him that. Now, not to be, not to become a tack P. And again, I just told him, like, son, it's like, you got to understand who your dad is. Yeah. And how, He's known in the Air Force. You know, if you went to the Marines, Army, Navy, got it. You know, if you went to special operations in one of those, then people are going to know who your dad is. Yeah. Uh, I was like, do your own pass on. You know, go to college. You know, you know but again, you know, yeah, he's a junior in college now. He'll be a senior this coming year. You can say, okay, dad, but, you know, most of us at that age, like, whatever, dude, I'm going to do what I want anyways. So, you know, he may end up, you know, going in and becoming the P, which I'll be psyched about it. Mm-hmm. Of course, I'll be sneaking into, if he does, sneaking into, like, uh, the course and, and maybe be yeah. an instructor for plus my son's balls. Are you serious, yeah. boy? I- I think that's you'd have to do that. I don't think you could live after that if you didn't do it. Yeah, right. he's just like show up, just wake him up one morning at zero two a.m. and just be like, "Get the fuck up!" <laughs> like, oh, you thought we were just... sleeping today? Yep. Did that? How much of a trip would that be? You wake up at a like after an, two hours of sleep, and there's your dad. You wild. know, it, it only it, it'd only be worth it for that day because you know he will call his mom. Oh, right. Then, yeah, exactly. Now I'll be hearing it from her. Really? You want to go do that to our son? Like, right. Hell yes. Well, what, what you got to do is you got to, like, mess with him. Right what you got to do is you got to, like, mess with him, like, early in the morning, like, late at night, and then have it set up to where all the instructors, like, deny you were ever there. So, like, he thinks he's going crazy. <laughs> that, like, you messed with him in the morning. <laughs> and then you just, and then you leave, and everyone is like, he was never here. What are you talking Dude, you're about? You're hallucinating. Man? You're just tired. 
<laughs> Your brain's playing games with you, bud. That's right. Yeah. You're running. <laughs> no, it's, you know, it's uh, you know, it, it's cool that you know my son has thought of doing that, and you know he still plans on doing the military. If he goes to become a tech P, mm-hmm. so be it. Or if he goes in to do another job, because he's studying to be, uh, he's, his major is criminology. He wants to be a detective or work at one of the three three letter agencies. So he doesn't yeah. want my doesn't want my help. Like he doesn't want dad. Don't use any of your connections. I'm like, not most people want their dad's connections. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say yeah. you you yeah. now know. A really great recruiter. So I mean, I. <laughs> I mean, he does also know former presidents too. So like, that's too. That, you know, <laughs> I'm not saying I compare with President Bush, but I'm a pretty good like, recruiter. But I'm Bush. <laughs> President yeah. Bush, me. Yeah, right. yeah. Exactly. yeah. exactly. It's Bush, me, then Cheney. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! Have you been standing over there? there? I know, right? Yeah, just water, just water, just water. <laughs> Man, so I, I've always wondered what um, you know the mental health, uh, seeking mental health was like in the special operations community because I know for like the security forces community, they're uh, up until recently, it's just a really big stigma behind it, and I was just wondering. I've always wondered how that you know people were looked at seeking help for mental health there in the special ops community. What that's like. You know, I like to say like like for for, for our for our career fields. You know, yes, it's hard physically, right? but I, I like to say a lot more. It's it's mental. I always like to use the analogy I remember Bruce Smith used when people asked him, how hard is football? Mm-hmm. It's like it's, you know, he said 3% physical, 97% mental. And and I like to say it is because you get, you get hit constantly mentally, you know, are you going to quit? Are you going to quit? Are you going to keep going? You know, and, and it gets you to that, you know, area where like and like when I got hit it just clicked I'm like boom I gotta do what I gotta do mm-hmm. uh, and and for us you know yeah we have guys that, that go through it and, and, and break uh, and, and we try and catch them before they go down range mm-hmm. that's you know you want your teammate to crack you know under the pressure because not only what him killed, he'll, he'll get his team killed. Right. Uh, but when we come back, for me, people always ask me, how hard was it for you? Mm-hmm. Like, well, for me, it wasn't that hard. I, I could, I could, I would disconnect. I was like, I'm back home, man. I did my job. I went over there, did it. How did I see some fucked up shit? Yeah, but I'm home. Mm-hmm. I was like, and and my thing is, some of us can do it, some can't. And the thing is, you know, we, we, we think that sometimes we're okay. And I always say, people ask me, well, how are you? Honestly, man, ask my family. A lot of times we won't see it. Mm-hmm. It's your family. That's a good point. Your friends see it. Like, yeah, you're not, you're not the same. And so I, 
<clears throat> I never, I never thought I had issues. Uh, you know, but my wife would disagree. It's like you've had issues a long time ago. Uh, but the thing is, you look for that help, ask for that help. Sometimes you know we're very prideful. A lot of you know we are, and then it's like we can do this. It's like I don't need help, man. I don't want to show weakness. Then there's sometimes, you know, there's so many out there that claim to have it mm -hmm. are just saying it so they can get the sympathy or get benefits. And we all know they're bags like that. Yep. You know? and, and so a lot of times that causes guys and gals not to say anything because, like, I want people to think that I'm just faking it and, and I'm being mm -hmm. a, a douchebag. Uh, and, but I think until we kind of uh, stop the guys that are faking it so we can help the guys that really have it, I think, I think that's where we'll be able to really start focusing on, uh, on those guys with, with the mental, mental health. So until then, man, you, you see, you see, the example I like to say is like all these emotional support, support animals. Mm-hmm. I've seen walking to Walmart, a lady walking in with a damn tiny horse. What? I was like, yeah. I was like, come on. Or, or you've heard of, you know, people want to take a peacock on. I was my just emotion. thinking that. Yes, you on know, the airplane. You know, until you get rid of it's a guy. Peacock. You, you know, got to let it fly. Right? <laughs> until you get rid of people like that, man, it's, it takes away from people that really have it. Mm-hmm. And, and and I think that's what we got to do. I remember one time, it was a Surgeon General. I was at some event, and he started talking to me about you know the whole mental health and PTSD. And, and I brought this up like, oh, you guys, I was like, sir, you know, I honestly want you to try an experiment. It's like, what's that? It's like all these people. Because, you know, I even heard one time somebody say they have secondhand PTSD. I'm like, is that like secondhand smoke? <laughs> you know? And, and I was like, you know what? How about all the people that say they have it will help you. You get no extra pay. Mm. See how many then say they have it. Because, uh, so, again, it, it takes away. We, we know, we've experienced Friends that truly have it, mm -hmm. and, and and you're like, man, dude. It's like, get the help. We're here to help you, you know. And and then you see the ones that I just fake it the fuck, man. And for me, it just irks me. Mm -hmm. it, it irks me when I see that because you're taking that help from someone that really needs it. That's uh, true. You know, I've, and, uh, I've seen airmen that have been in for just a couple of years and. Um, you know, haven't gone anywhere, haven't really done anything and their experience is BMT tech school, you know, duty station. And then, you know, they get discharged and it's like, what, what are you getting discharged med boarded for? And they say, it's all, it's post-traumatic stress and they're rated a hundred percent, you know, it's reviewable, but it's hundred percent. And it's just like, dude, I, I know people that are like missing limbs and they don't even have a hundred percent. It's like, how is this? senior airman who's been in for a couple of years, who's getting med boarded, getting a hundred percent disability 
for post-traumatic stress from what, you know, and it, it is. And it, to me, I think, I, and there's some, there's some stories that I've heard over time, you know, but like, it's like people, people know the right buzzwords to say when they walk into uh, mental health or whatever. And, uh, that ends up being enough because, you know, how can you, you can't look at somebody's mental scars and then say, oh, they don't exist or they do exist, you know, and some, like you said, you know, and some you don't, but it's just, it does. I agree with you. It's, it's like other people crying wolf. And then when the people who need the help, they, you know, they try to go get it, you know, somebody's taken up an appointment or, or you're, it creates a stigma because you don't want to be seen as this POS you know, who may, may be faking it. Yeah. And, and go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, you're talking about like the buzzwords. Like I've heard of like a lot of like people about to retire or about to get out and they'd be like, Oh yeah. Make sure you tell them you have like tinnitus. Cause they can't prove if you have it or not. Tell them you have like erectile dysfunction. Cause that'll get you like 25% and then you get cool pills. Like, like they'll, they'll just like tell them this, 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 and this. And it's like, well, do you actually have it? Or are you just saying it to get a quick buck or whatever? Like, how can it, it, it irks me? How can you do 20 years of service to your country, which in and of itself is like, should be like a high honor, high value, that type of stuff. And then you immediately after you get out, try to cheat your country. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. You know, we always like to say that, you know, where the military has a lot of honorable people, but we all know that. Not, yeah. not, every, not everyone sure. in the military is on. There's plenty of instances where we guys get car marsh for doing, mm-hmm. you know, drug dealing to, yeah, you know, you know, for the sexual assaults or whatever. Domestic yeah. violence. If we were all honorable, you wouldn't need cops on every base. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, but you know, you, you just for us, you just try and help the guys as much as you can, man. And again, you, you just can't do it on your own and. Sometimes you you just never know. You know. This 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 year, earlier this year, you know, I I, I lost a good friend, killed himself. You know, uh, Joe Cap. You know, he also he's a ranger. Wrote a book. He the first ranger uh, amputee to go back and deploy ever. Wow. And who would have thought he would he, he was going to kill himself? Yeah. You know, you, you just never know. And, you know, I remember talking to one of my SF buddies, you know, we were all good friends. I'm like, like, dude, I couldn't believe I did that. I would never, out of all the people in the world, because, again, we have friends that we know, got to keep an eye on him because he's at that edge. Mm-hmm. Or she's at that edge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he was one that I never thought he was at that edge. Yeah. And I remember my buddy Dave saying, hey, man. That's like DT. That's like getting a phone call that that you did it. We never guessed you were going to do that. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes I, I I told him also like I can I, I can understand maybe sometimes his his where him his mind went to be because when you're in that light, mm-hmm. Joe, you know myself and other individuals, you can't be regular Joe. You can't be regular DT anymore. You can't go downtown. Act like a fool, get backed up, drunk, and say dumb, dumb shit. Right. We just can't anymore. We're at a different light. Sometimes that gets to you because I, I, I can say that I've gotten to that point sometimes where I just want to be me, man. 
Like, I just want to go downtown, get stupid drunk with my friends, in a fight maybe, you know. <laughs> and yeah. I don't know who I am, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I understand that. Uh, maybe that's where Joe was at. I, I, I told my buddy, I was like, just, he was tired of it. He just wanted to be him. You know, he didn't want to be wow. that line life. And, and, and that's why you, you have to have exactly. friends. You got to have teammates talk to them. As much as we want to think we're Superman, not nah, man. We all we all have our breaking point. The thing is, uh, we're gonna look for that help when we need it. You know, or we're gonna have a family there. Yeah, I mean, and Joe had a family. had two little boys, man. You know, it just sucks. It's, man. it's really sad. <laughs> I mean, like, what what advice would you give somebody who you know was going through something, maybe? you know, to encourage them to go seek help. My, my, my suggestion was like, don't be afraid. It's like, we've all, all had our, our, our down moments. We've all have had where you're just breaking down and wish you were going to, you wish you died. You know, uh, I had, I had mine. Mm-hmm. Obviously you guys read, read in the book, you know, but having that one person being there, man, and, and talking to you and, and saying, man, you, you, you got this. You can, you can beat this. You know, believe in yourself. Uh, get that help. It means a lot. Because, uh, again, we just, we just can't do it on our own, man. We just, we just can't. You know, we, we all need help. If you, if you don't want to ask your, your, your wife, husband, your kids, talk to your teammates. Want to talk to your teammates? Talk to your your brother or sister. Want to talk to talk to your mom or dad? Talk to your grandpa. Talk to a mentor, someone that you talk to, and it's like it's like, and you know he'll be there because uh, we all have them. We all have the, that one or two people that we know. If we like, dude, I need to talk. I got you. Mm-hmm. I'll be there, uh, yeah. and, and that's that's my best advice I can give them is like, don't, don't let, don't let the stigma get to you. Uh, you know, we, we've, we've all been there you now. The thing is, are we going to let it beat it? Are we going to let it beat us? Or are we going to beat it? I, really I prefer. Like... Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I, like, I'd rather be that person beating it than it beating me. Absolutely. So, I like what you said about believing in yourself because I think that is a piece of resiliency that doesn't get mentioned enough is that there's a, there is a self piece that has to come into play at some point to believe in yourself, like you said, and um, you have to build that up inside of yourself and you know, reaching out and getting help and the support from other people, it helps, but ultimately you have to be able to stand up on your own. And so I like that, you know, people encouraging you to, to believe in yourself and then, you know, to see yourself, you know, give yourself love and see yourself as a good person or, you know, whatever. I think that is such an important piece that doesn't get mentioned enough. So I'm really glad that you said that. Yeah. And cause again, it, it does, you know, you, 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 need to, you know, people can help you as much as they can. Mm-hmm. Eventually you have to kind of get over that hump. It's like, okay, I got this. It's like, you know, I can burden this. You know, I can overcome this. I can beat this. And 
And that was another, again, another big reason I, I did the book. And because I said, young airman. Yeah. I always, I always bring that back to that young airman. The young airman thought she, there was no life left until yeah. she heard my story. That's pretty incredible. And, and sometimes it just takes that you hear in the story. Yeah. Like, wow. That's true. I can do it. I can do it. And, that's, and that's what I hope you know, this, this book does, you know, be able to not only honor my dad and the promise I made to him, but be able to you know, help people based on that promise that I made to my dad. I think you, you've done an ex, ex, outstanding job capturing that in your book. I, I appreciate that. You know, the cool, the cool thing. One thing I really wanted to get out of this book is like, I wanted it to sound like me. And like if I'm talking to you and mm-hmm. the feedback I've gotten from like the people that I, I kind of gave them advanced copies, like this book. And I never, I didn't say anything. I was like, I just wanted to hear what you think. Mm-hmm. Candidly. It, it, it mm-hmm. sounds like you. It sounds like you're telling the story. That's awesome. Like good. What I wanted. Uh, yeah. I just, I didn't want to, I didn't want it to sound phony. I didn't want to sound robotic. I'm like, you know, Throw, throw the cuss words in there because I swear, you know, <laughs> all the, you know, probably inappropriate jokes, you know. Gotta be hey, genuine. Gotta, gotta be, be genuine. genuine. It's good I, though because, you know, I've, I've never, never had a conversation with you before anything like that. And after, you know, reading parts of the book and then now have talking with you, like, yeah, it it's you. <laughs> you wrote that book for sure. So it's I definitely you. Uh, you know, I, I appreciate you guys. You know, reading it and, and and hopefully enjoying it. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, uh, of course, or, or at least lie to me that you enjoyed it. You know, <laughs> no lie. Yeah, uh, but you know, it it, it is it, it hasn't hit me yet. Uh, people always keep asking me how's it how's it feels. Like I don't know. It's like because mm-hmm. yeah, I got kind of you know the advanced cut, but it's not like the hardcover, which has yeah, the photos, has everything. You know, yeah. you know, I tell people actually it's more right now more a pain in the butt because mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. doing, doing all this marketing promoting it and and uh and one of my friends he told me you know DT it's kind of like uh, you know like having a baby I'm like huh you know you going through that practice that labor it it, it sucks but the baby's born like your book's out it's so joyful okay. and I'm like. Like you know what, Brandy? I was like, I'm not gonna use that analogy. Yeah. I was like, I'll let you use that because if I try sure. to use it, my bust my chops, and, and my female friends are like, Are you really trying to compare your book release to a pregnancy to yeah. giving birth? I'm like, not me, man. I'm not trying to. My friend use that analogy. I understand <laughs> it, but I'm not gonna use it. <laughs> man, you made me think of a funny story. I had an airman come in with his wife after she gave birth. And uh, he was talking to our CSS, trying to do his paternity leave. And he's like, oh, yeah, we just had a baby. And his wife goes, we didn't have a baby. I had a baby. You know, <laughs> I was like, that's right. She had the baby. You were there, right? So Yeah, we'll, we'll get checked real quick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It always made that's me laugh like, thinking about like, that. I was like, you use that analogy. I won't yeah. use it. You want to say exactly. it? I'll tell the funny story about it, but I'm not going to yeah. say it. Yeah, yeah, my book's like a, giving birth to a baby. Right. Yeah, I don't know anything yeah. about that. 
I've right. seen it happen, but I didn't do it. The, the spouse right definitely there. has the baby. You're there as the emotional support peacock. That's all you are. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> that emotional support peacock might have caused the reason why she's in that area right now. Yeah, yeah it's true. <laughs> so it took two to tango, and right, you were right, a pretty right. big piece. Yeah, you right. probably convinced yeah. her. Had a good night, you know. Put, some work. <laughs> Put in the work. Yeah, the all three seconds. Oh my god! It's a great time. Uh, I was going to ask you something, and it left my mind the second I said emotional support peacock. Oh, that's what it was. Um, so obviously, you know, you've been retired for a while. Uh, you were kind of, we're talking about like mental health and resiliency and stuff to kind of add more of like a positive note to some of like the more sadder stuff we're talking about. What are some like great experiences that kind of you just had like with your spouse that you had with your kid, like stuff that you just love doing while living? For me, it, it was like for me and my son, it was us watching. Chicago, like the Bears. I'm from Chicago, you know, where yeah. the Bears. He's sitting down and my me and my, my boy put on his jersey. The season starting, you know, I want to say this about probably first season when I finally was kind of strong enough to enjoy it, not going through therapy. Mm-hmm. Just sitting and him, you know, there's even I think a photo of us where we got our bear jerseys like, let's go bears, let's go bears. You know, that's that's probably one of the cool experiences or or, or him hitting his first home run. I remember oh, that was, yeah. you know, seeing that. I was like, yeah, that's my boy. Yeah. <laughs> For my wife, I would say is like watching her navigate this journey. And, you know, my wife, you know, is maybe 105 soaking wet. And seeing how strong she was, you know, to be able to handle what she did. You know, she's from Mexico, you know, she didn't know any English when I got hurt. Then to see her go uh, to get her GED, first learning to speak English, mm-hmm. you know, get fluent enough to go get her GED, and then become a US citizen. And she was already a hairstylist in Mexico. She had her own salon, but here in the States, she needed more hours. You know how that goes. Each state, mm-hmm. reason you need yeah. a different license or different hours. Yeah, sure. So she's like, you know what? I'll just take the whole thing all over again. Watching her, wow. you know, getting, getting, you know, her license. In the states is probably such a cool. Experience. Watching that, watching my wife do that is amazing. Yeah. So you know those those moments are are are, are pretty awesome. You know. You know, watch my son hit his first home run. I was watching the Bears. You know, my watching my wife go through her journey and seeing her house. You know, the amazing woman she is now. You know, those it's so worth being here and enjoying those moments, man. It's it's so much. It so really is. Yeah, uh, sure that, that that feels fantastic. Like when you said earlier about you know. Your the, your life flashing before your eyes, and it was the moments that you wanted to have, and now you're living those. You know that's that's wonderful. Yeah, uh, 
Yeah, probably, you know, my next one will be probably when I see my son graduate college next year. They'll be probably up there, you know. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, it is, it's a, it's a cool, cool journey. Definitely yeah. is. It really is. And Life, is. Yeah, Life is a journey. What, what, 22-year-old DT, when he joined the military, think he would be this person? Not at all. I thought myself, I'll do my time, get out, and, you know, be back in Chicago doing something. I would have yeah. thought this, this would be my life, bro. Yeah, and that <clears throat> I totally feel like for Forrest Gump sometimes. I really do. Yeah, again, I and I'm at the White House. Yeah, I'm at the president <laughs> again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jenna. Oh, Jenna. Yeah. <laughs> DT. It's great. It's great. Uh, you know. And then jumping again was probably the next highlight of my life was mm. in, in back in the air, man. Yeah. Yeah. Underneath that parachute, nothing like it. Never, never thinking that I'll never be able to do that again. And then doing it. finishing my career at, at the Wings of Blue at the parachute team at the Air Force Academy. Yeah, because weren't you the, you were the first 100% like disabled like veteran to come back to full active service, right? Yeah, well, first first one of the Air Force. Uh, yeah. Uh, luckily, there's you know, other guys have been able to come back, and I always like to just like, man, you know, being the first is cool. Sometimes I just want to be like number ten. Things I kind of already set up, and I'm just walking, you know, breezing through, not going through all the hassle. Uh, you, you don't want to always be the trendsetter for stuff. Like right. that. Yeah. yeah. I just be but, the mediocre guy that kind of just right. like walking the thing. Yeah. yeah. But what's uh, nice is, is you crawled so others could run through it. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> yeah. There you go. I, 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 like I'm that car in NASCAR. I'm in the lead and, you know, the, the yeah. are in, in my draft, you know, yeah. So yeah. eventually you're able to pass me. There you go. Yeah. They needed Good you. to look at it. They needed you right. to win. <laughs> Like like the great prophet Ricky Bobby said, you ain't first, you're last. You're last. <laughs> Hell yeah. Great prophet. <laughs> you know that you uh you kind of touched on it, but it's a question I have kind of gotten into the habit of liking to ask people, but what advice would you give, like you said, that that twenty something DT now, you know, the life you've lived thus far, what advice would you give him if you could give him a piece of advice? Goodbye. What I would give him as like, oh, I learned this like right before I headed out on my last deployment. Mm -hmm. It's it's not all about you. Mm. As you know, when I was a young, you know, you know, right in the middle of my career, I was nonstop going, doing all the cool, cool guy stuff, and. So I'm growing up without knowing who I really was. So I was always gone. And it took my wife to tell me, it's like, your son's growing up without you. Mm. Always said you never let that happen, but he is. He doesn't know you. You're home for a couple of months and then you're gone for a couple more months. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, so that'll probably be the my biggest advice to him is like my 22 year old self is like you want to do all the cool cool guy stuff do it when you're single and, and realize it's not all about you to get married and start having kids it's about them uh and, and i think that was another big thing why i wanted to include my wife's story in in my book because mm-hmm. we sometimes forget you know or public sometimes forgets about our families you know they focus so much on the service member they forget about our our, our family who are right there next to us and, and i'd like, like to say they see us at, at our worst mm-hmm. you know it doesn't have to be at our worst like being in a coma but at our worst coming back and not being the same uh, so mm-hmm. being, yeah. again it's like not about you man think about that I really like that. Fortunately, I was able to, my wife was able to kick me in the ass and make me realize that, but, you know, That's for a while, it was just about me doing the job and me doing yeah. all the cool guys. Mm-hmm. A good one I think we've we all that for you. And yeah. I think we've all, we've all been there. We've all, we've yeah, all been in that situation where like, you know, I want to do all this fun, cool stuff. And then you're like, Oh shit! I'm married. I got kids. Yeah. You know, I get it. You know, yeah, that'll be my biggest advice. I came. Man. I like that a lot. Think- there, there resonates well. I was, uh, I was just, I was the best man at one of my buddy's weddings a couple, almost like a month and a half, two months ago now. And during my speech, I was, I told him, I was like, uh, his, name, his name's Ty. I was like, Ty. All your decisions, everything you do, it's no longer only, it no longer just affects Ty. It affects Ty and Sarah. It affects Ty, Sarah, and any future kids you have. So even the smallest decisions of what time do I wake up? What am I going to buy at Walmart or whatever? It, it doesn't just affect you anymore. It affects your your family, your group, your your uh, your tribe. So, uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, no kidding. Making sure you. And, it, it, and it's, very, it's very true. Mm-hmm. There's times where, like, as much as we want to think that we make all decisions, we're the man, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know, of getting something done in the house. I'm like, mm-hmm. hey, let's go with this. Like, I was like, hold on. Man, let me go ask the boss if this is okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if this is the right color or, or yeah. right location. Yeah. She may not agree. It's your off duty supervisor. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Israel, uh, we've really enjoyed speaking with you today. It's been a been a ton of fun. Uh, yeah. You're you're great to speak with. It makes makes sense why why you're a public speaker. Obviously, um, yeah. your book A Patriot's Promise is going to drop, I believe, on the fourth of July. Correct. The July, yeah, that's awesome. awesome. Independence Day. Um, with it coming out soon, so you you wrote your book. Everything's good to go. Before we kind of end this, I got one uh, final thing for you. Uh, looking ahead, uh, what are your aspirations? Uh, for your future and kind of what do you hope this book to uh, um, kind of make impacts and stuff like that? What, what, what do you, what are you looking to see hopefully with this book coming out? You know, uh, honestly for me, honor my dad, really the ability to, to honor it and to help as many people out there, man, to, to, to know that it's like you can, yes, 
there may be a lot of obstacles thrown in front of you, but your mind's a very powerful thing. And if you don't quit right here and you find that spark in the air, overcome it, man. You'll beat those odds. And, and yeah, you you can't do it alone. You'll, you'll have friends that help you on your way, on your journey. With all that combination, man, beat it. And you'll come out ahead and you will be resilient and you will continue to enjoy life. And that is the goal of my book, to be able to do that. And again, well, again, like I said earlier, out of my pops, man, because my dad was my hero. He was he was everything to me. And and to people know that those last words he gave me to shape who I am and who I became, to people to know him is important to me. And and you know, if it becomes a bestseller, cool. If it doesn't, if it but if it helps that one person really needs it, I'm cool with that too, man. That's a win. It's all, it's all that's important to me. You are an awesome person, DT. Uh, thanks, man. Appreciate it, man. You know, it's, it's been a blast, you know, BSing with you guys. Eventually making me forget about the, you know, don't use your toilet or any water. For <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. They just remembered it, so sorry. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> we shaved we shaved some time off that. You made me forget about that for a while, so I appreciate that much. There we much go. Much love for you guys. Hell yeah! And, and I, yeah, and I I hope you guys really did enjoy the book, man. And I hope it yes. gave you a little bit insight of who I am or how I came to be the person I am and Definitely. why I do what I do. Yeah, for sure. 100%. So, for everyone listening. So the Patriots promise you can get it on Independence Day. Be an American and go buy it. And then uh, uh, make sure you like, comment, subscribe. Use our codes to get coffee. Came with fire with Red Clover coffee. Or use our codes to get clothes. uh, Fire 10. Uh, But that's it for us today. Really appreciate you guys listening. Uh, Thanks, DT. And, of course, Gresham, you look very handsome. So, out. (laughs)